All right. So I did not sleep good last night. No. Yeah, me and Shelby, we've been sleeping actually in our living room because our heat has been acting up. So we have to actually sleep by the fireplace, which (laughs) sounds fun. Yeah. But when you're going on three or four days in a row, it gets kind of old. Yeah. Well, that is a good uh, a point of having, like, two sources of heating. Mm-hmm. So, in case you're – what do you guys have, baseboards? Mm-hmm. Yeah, central air system or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I know that our propane is super efficient, but it's been nice, like, being able to use a wood stove whenever the power goes out or whatever. But Yeah, so in the living room, we have the wood stove and then also a little propane heater, which – has been saving us the last couple of days because yeah. it gets cold in the back bedrooms. Yeah, I was wondering why you had that propane heater on the other day yeah, during Christmas. The, yeah, the central air is out. But Dad supposedly has someone come today to fix it. Mm. But we'll see if that actually. Yeah. And then, of course, after having like negative 20 wind chill, it's going to get up in the 50s. It's going to be wild. I can't escape my daughter's sickness from dealing with all this weather. Alright dude, so you just want to get right into it? Yeah, I guess. Alright, cool. Hey guys, welcome to First World Outdoors. I am your host, David Lillard, here with my co-host, Zach Lillard. How's it going? And, uh, so we're here today. It's, uh... Wrapping up, it's December 28th, so, you know, we wanted to um, wrap up this season with a recap on everything that's going on, things that you guys missed before, you know, we became a channel, and talk about it. So, Zach, we'll start off with you first. We're we're going to do this like a double episode, so me and Zach both killed um, even your turkey hunt. <laughs> like, uh, everything just happened so fast that there mm-hmm. actually isn't, like, a long, drawn-out um, story. So we're just going to combine it all mm-hmm. into us together, and then Larry will be a separate one for you guys because that was, you know, a whole month long of being solo out in the, you know. Out in the mountains out in the of mountains. Colorado and then the plains of Nebraska. That's right. So, Zach, let's talk about turkey season. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really don't have a whole lot to share because I got to hunt two and a half days. Um, but, so, turkey season. I got mm-hmm. to hunt two days up on our mountain. Um, missed a bird that actually, this was a, a first for me. I actually glassed him from probably 900 yards away. Mm-hmm. Um, never have done that. There's really not a whole lot of places to do that up on our mountain. Yeah, trying to find 900 yards to glass up there is next to impossible. So yeah. that's impressive yeah, that was, you did that. Yeah, it was that. super cool. And then me and my uncle, we hadn't hunted together in probably three years. And we got to hunt together that day. And we put in a plan. And it all came together until, uh, until a, hand, a hand busted us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he came. He still came in within, you know, shotgun range. But he was, he was redheaded and ready to ready to fly at any he already tucked that <laughs> wing and he was about to be gone yeah so rushed the shot um changed up to a tighter shot pattern i was shooting um what is it the ninjas yeah apex ninjas with a, a 665 shot pattern and it was just too tight mm-hmm. and i haven't converted yet to a, a red dot 
And I'm telling you, if you're going to be it, shooting that newer me. stuff, it costs me. Yeah, if you're going to be shooting that newer stuff, a red dot or some sort of optic is, in my yeah. opinion, it's essential. And then uh, the next day, um, didn't get into much. And then I got to hunt one day up in Maryland and just mid- misread the terrain and had one in within 80. And I thought there was another uh, bump that he was on. And so I could have gotten a lot closer to him, but just didn't know. Um, so that was my turkey season, Zach. You, mm-hmm. you had a very, con- I mean, you had one day, right? Mm-hmm. You had one well, day. Well, two. Two days. Yeah, I had two days. <clears throat> Sorry. But yeah, the majority of my turkey season was spent on the hill at the good old West Virginia State Police Academy. And yeah, buddy. just so happened to be my luck that our report date was April 10th and season opened the 17th. And just every morning, you know, getting up at 05 to go PT. And as the spring progressed, I mean, you start having those nice, cool mornings, got the dew on the grass, and you're starting to see a little bit of tint of green on the trees and mm-hmm. everything. And just you. I mean, obviously, you'd want to be anywhere else, but just that pain in your stomach, just yeah. knowing that you could be up on a ridge and just daylight's breaking, just here. Oh, it was pretty rough stuff. So that was on my mind constantly uh, for the first four weeks of season. So the way that our academy was set up, it was the academy has been through a lot of iterations recently with COVID and everything. It started. Uh, with 10 weeks of you're not able to leave. Like, you're there the entire time, no time to go home or nothing. You're there, and you're there. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was the way it was up until my class, and they allowed us to go home the remaining. So we had a 12-week-long twelve week long academy where the first five you're there, and then you can go home the remaining seven weekends. But our first – uh, leave weekend was the fourth week of our season, mm-hmm. or four, the Saturday and Sunday of our season. <laughs> Can't get my words together. Yeah, the fourth week of our season. And <clears throat> so I went home, got to hunt that first day, was in birds. And I think it was the same group that you were hunting with Greg. Mm-hmm. It was the same area. Had them within 80 yards for probably – the better part of two and a half, three hours, just always laying with them. Just they would not give me that last little uh, little bit of distance to where they would come up over the ridge or whatever. And Plus, I I mean, I hadn't been hunting that whole year, so I was still a little rusty. Wasn't I felt like my feet were in cinder blocks. I wouldn't go and make that move that I might have been more, I don't know. I guess I would have been. The word better equipped or mm-hmm. in my being a better mindset to do well. I mean, like little, on a typical year, yeah. you would have all season, yeah. I mean, um, you know, so if you want to be aggressive, mm-hmm. then you have like you know, yeah, five I, weeks to recoup from that. I guess that's more or less what I'm yeah. getting at is that I was scared to make a mistake, yeah, and I didn't want to ruin it because I have these two days, yeah. Because whenever you have yeah. a short period of time, um, you can either go, there's really no uh. You can't go halfway in. You mm-hmm. either have to go all in or yeah. uh, be way, way out. So it's like, I don't want to spook anything, so I'm not aggressive at all. Or it's like, I have two days. Yeah. 
I'm going to go all out, and if I jump birds, I jump birds. So that's the, that was my mentality the first day hunting, and it cost me, in my opinion. I mean, there's looking back, there was a couple things I could have done and would have gave me a better opportunity to kill those birds. But the following morning, uh went up with Dad, and he went to one location. I went up to uh, mess with these birds, and this day I decided – if I spook my spook, I'm going, you know, full-blown aggression, whatever it takes. So I hear them gobbling on the roost, know about where they are, and I start inching my way towards them, and I get to where I think I'm good, and I'm probably, at this point, I'm probably 80 yards from them, but I want to get just another 20, that way if they fly down, there's pretty much nothing in between us, and if they give me 10 yards, mm-hmm. they're probably in range and I can kill them. So I'm crawling, and I have just enough of a berm to where I think if I get to, if I stay under it and get to the top, I'll probably be good. Well, as soon as I'm cresting up that little berm, I just hear, <laughs> I bump three birds right off the roost. I'm like, well, that's <laughs> just that moment of just sitting there knowing that this was probably my last day to hunt, my last opportunity. I mean, that might be a little dramatic. There was still a lot of day left. But mm-hmm. I walked down, meet up with Dad afterwards, and we're talking. And we start going around trying to spark up uh, another bird, see if we can't get on him. And we hunt the, until about mid-morning, and we stop at the camp just to kind of regroup, maybe make a pot of coffee or something. Just, you Mm -hmm. know, take it easy for a second because, I mean, I was beating myself up pretty bad over bumping those birds. And we're just sitting there talking, and all of a sudden, probably six, seven hundred yards away, like, all right, well. Mm -hmm. And he's down in what we call the hole. I know we talked about it probably ad nauseum already about this area. But uh, I gave a little call, and thought, well, maybe this might turn into something. And we decided that we were just going to stay put. And if he makes an advancement, we'll start making our move. So probably, I don't know, less than five minutes go by. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's already closed at l- more than half the distance. I mean, he is coming and he's coming fast. So we're looking around and... We're at the camp and trucks parked right there and but when you think about it, like if we just drop down fifteen, twenty yards, get mm-hmm. tucked in here, maybe maybe we can make this happen. Well, dad gives a call, no answer. Gives another call, no answer, and I'm set up probably ten yards in front of him. He's back behind me. And probably another ten minutes goes by. And I haven't, we haven't heard anything. Mm-hmm. And Dad gives a call in the we, I mean, the thunder gobble. He's not sure. I mean, off. he's right there, and he's so I'm facing, you know, to my twelve, and he's coming up more <clears throat> of my ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. So out of instinct, I just swing real fast, and it's a good thing I did right there because as soon as I get my barrel pointed in that direction, I see redheads coming up, and it's two of them. And I pick a hole, and I don't think they're that far away. And uh, I'm shooting a 20-gauge, shooting TSS number nines. I mean, it's 
it's designed to be a relatively long range gun and I shoot and I roll this turkey Mm -hmm. and I'm running up to him. I'm all excited. And to my surprise, he lifts his head up and he gets his feet underneath of him and he sets his wings and he's flying or not flying, but I mean, he's gliding down Mm -hmm. back into the deep hollow of the hole. I'm like, Oh no. And I start tearing after him, probably run, 250, 300 yards down in there, just trying to keep in his direction of travel. And I get basically to the bottom of this, you know, of this steep ravine. And I'm, I'm about to give up. I mean, my, I mean, I'm at an all time low as a turkey hunter. I mean, only a couple of days to hunt. Season's been taken away from me. And, and I have this, just I, yeah, I have this one. one opportunity yeah. and I wound a turkey, which, if you're any kind of hunter, you know that you would much rather just clean miss that thing. Because if, I mean, there's nothing worse than wounding an animal. But I'm looking around, and I see at the bottom of this tree just a little flicker of something. Mm-hmm. And I look, and it's black. And I'm like, oh, man, there he is. And I run up there, and there he gets up again. And he's running dead away from me. And I shoot at this last little opening. And he, then I roll him and I finally get down to him and I grab him. And just like that moment of relief slash excitement. I mean, every little bit of emotion was rolling mm-hmm. through me. A little bit of sadness that I didn't put him down right there. And just everything hit me all at once. And dad heard the second shot and he didn't really know what was going on. And then I'm walking up the ridge and he sees me holding the turkey and you just see him start fist pumping and going crazy. So it was a, Really cool hunt, really cool experience. And I was glad that, you know, got to share it with him. And yeah, so. Hell yeah, that man. Was, that was my <clears throat> turkey season. Yeah, see, your season was kind of the opposite of mine. Like, you had to, um, you had to catch the tail end of season. Um, and then I had to deal with the front end. And then I got the, the rear end taken from me because I had to go down to Fort Bragg, mm-hmm. now Fort Liberty, <laughs> since we're a PC now. Uh, but. Well, I would, I, I'm out of the loop on all this why would they have changed yeah all that? the uh like southern bases got renamed because they were after confederate yeah, yeah. Oh, I um you. i didn't even realize so it. we spent millions and millions of dollars to you know put new road signs up for all the bases but uh <laughs> so so anyways um go woke you go broke yeah i mean uh so the the first week um yeah so i lost i think the last two weeks of season Cause I was already down there whenever you killed your bird. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, uh, the first week I was still working at Woodmark on night shift and the Saturday before I was running, um, the mountain where I typically would hunt in Maryland cause it was super close to my house at the time and, uh, snowing. I, I ran into two strutters up there and mm-hmm. I'm like, I mean, this is nice, but I really don't want to be hunting in like this kind of weather come Monday. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, that, fr- that whole first week, I don't think I even got to hunt until I got to, until I missed my bird that Friday. Mm. Um, just cause like it was so nasty out. And after you get off of a, you know, 11 hour shift or whatever, and it's seven o'clock in the morning, you already missed like the best part of the, the day as far as like locating birds. Um, I just, I mean, I should have, but, uh, chose the easy you know the easy left and went home so i could get some sleep instead of you know killing myself uh chasing birds out in the snow but um yeah so that was my season and then i lost 
lost the tail end of that, so that one hurt. But um, so did you do did you do any um fishing this summer? Because you got new, yeah, I did you a got new bit. kayak. Unfortunately, when I graduated, it was July, and that first day after I started actually working, my first days off, I went down the river with a good buddy of mine, and we had a really good day on the water. But after that day, had a pretty bad drought from mid-July through, I'm pretty sure, late August Mm -hmm. before we got any rain. So that kind of, there was one day we went down and it just wasn't, we didn't make it very far before we had to start, you know, carrying our kayaks. And then ever since, or ever, from that point on, we didn't go down anymore. But you did get a new kayak this summer. Did you get a new kayak? That was a... Kind of my graduation present to myself. <laughs> yeah, I picked that thing up on one of my leave weekends. It's a Perception Outlaw 11.5. It's a it's a really good stable kayak. It's not the fastest. Like mm-hmm. you have to do. It takes a little bit of effort to get it going. But as far as what I want it for, it's perfect. It's a really good stable boat for the currents of you know the South Branch. You know, mm-hmm. you get some pretty rough areas, and then being able to stand on top of that thing and being able to spot fish and then, you know, pitch, you know, with accuracy, it's been really, really nice. I mean, like, you know, I, I don't really fish on my kayak. I just like the just workout. Paddle. You just want to but work out. I'm super jealous of your seat and the oh, it like, is, ability it is, to stand up. And it's an, it is an extremely comfortable kayak. I mean, there's, there's more expensive boats and there's stuff that has more features, but for what it is for me, I, it's awesome. for the money. I mean, I you really it. can't mm-hmm. beat it. Uh, the only one I can think of, Larry was looking at it the other day. It's uh, it's from Cabela's, like the Ascend, um, like the I, ten footer yeah, one. But I, that I was, one's also like a couple hundred dollars less. So I mean, you are sacrificing. Yeah, some and I, things. I was looking at those pretty hard. Um, and maybe for him because he's a little bit smaller than me. What kind of turned me off from it? I was seeing reviews from guys that are like. 225 that ballpark Mm -hmm. it gets a little unstable when Mm -hmm. you put a little bit of a bigger guy in there gotcha and i heard that it isn't quite as durable as some other boats Mm. on the market so gotcha well i mean perception does make a pretty durable kayak oh yeah Um, i mean it's there it's got polyethylene's really thick on them that's what i really liked about our original old towns Mm -hmm. is that they were made really sturdy and this one is even it seems even more Mm -hmm. dense than it so I've been really happy with it. So now we're getting past summer and we're going into the fun stuff or at least fun (laughs) for right now because it's most recent. Yeah. But, um, so, so what, so Zach, yeah, I did not get to go up there at all Mm -hmm. this, uh, summer, early fall. What kind of, uh, preparations were you doing, um, leading up into this bow season? <clears throat> so I guess the first time I was up there was probably late August, early September. Mm-hmm. Went up, put a couple cameras up, and checked some that we had running all year long. Pulled those cards. Just trying to get an inventory of what may have made it through and what you know we could expect for the coming year. Uh, first card pull had a couple decent-looking young bucks, and one buck that I was pretty excited about. I mean, he was a he wasn't fully framed yet and he still had some growing to do, but he looked to be about in the ballpark of seventeen and a half, maybe mm-hmm. even 
with a little bit more growing may have hit you know that 19 inch spread it looked like he was just mainframe eight point mm-hmm. so that got me excited he looked to be you know what we shoot for three and a half maybe i don't know it's hard to tell the summer maybe he could have been older but i doubt it mm-hmm. say so he's three and a half year old eight point uh all summer i was waiting for an opportunity to put in because we've been trying to do a little food plot up in what we call the low place, just this bench, you know, going up the point of our mountain. And it has relatively decent soil, and we put in just a little patch of clover the last several years, but I wanted to expand it. But I was waiting for a time that I could knock down a lot of that brush and honey locusts and everything, then seed it and have rain come in to actually have it take hold. So me and Dad went up. It was only, I think it was less than a week before season opened yeah it was it was, it was september r- yeah for it sure. was right there but that was the first little like i said we had a drought so went up there brush hogged probably <clears throat> i don't know i mean it's not a big plot by any means but it's like a third of an acre i'd say yeah third yeah, to a half yeah, of an acre yeah but watching like bill winky stuff you mean those poor man plots they can you know Obviously, we're not trying to hold deer with food. Like, that's not going to make much difference. But mm-hmm. just a little area that they can concentrate a little bit and where we can Well, I mean, like, whenever pictures. you just have all um, old timber and then just uh, edge, mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, just, just having a it. small food plot with, like, uh, like protein-dense, mm-hmm. you know, grasses for them to eat just in a um, – because Dad got that new cell camera, mm-hmm. and that's been um, super big. But, like, the literally the – he has it on the edge of the plot, and the plot covers like the camera can cover the whole plot. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a a good inventory spot to draw deer mm-hmm. in, and that's an important part that we're getting into whenever we talk about your buck because mm-hmm. um, uh, apparently you guys had you know you guys had trail cam pictures of him last year, but you really, yeah, we didn't realize it. Yeah, you, but. You, you didn't realize it, so <laughs> you, I was surprised whenever you said that because, like, you guys hadn't talked about it at all. Yeah. But um, yeah. it was – what? when was it? It was, like, the first week in November, like like November 1st or Halloween or something like that, whenever Dad got the first picture of him. The first picture we got of the Big Ten was October 18th. Okay, so and that's whenever mid- he was, uh, like, laying down in the – in the patch. Yeah, it was the first set of pictures we got was October 18th. It was him, and I believe, going by the sequence of photos, there was two or three does with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I don't, it wasn't like full-blown rut yet, but he was, you know, hanging with some does. Yeah, he bedded up that night in front of Dad's tree stand right in the plot, which mm-hmm. was really cool. But the way Dad's camera is, it's sitting what seven feet off the ground seven feet off the ground and where he was he was probably he was further than what you would think or what he what you would initially guess he was probably 15 20 yards away from the camera Mm -hmm. and the first sequence of photos you know first instinct yeah that's a nice buck probably low to mid 120s good framey deer but his body looked to be what we're after three and a half or so and yeah, so October 18th, got those sequence of photos. I think it was exactly a week later, 
got another set of photos. He even bedded up in the food plot again. And then a bear. A bear jumped. came and jumped him up. But there were some photos where he kind of was facing away from the camera. Mm-hmm. And you could get a better idea of his frame. And you're like, oh, man, that, that deer has some time length there. That's yeah, a, that's and it, a, was a, it was a pretty far picture. So, like, it yeah. was relatively blurry. Mm-hmm. But then I'm assuming Dad talked to our cousins. Yeah, so we got pictures October 23rd, if I remember correctly. Got an idea of, like, that's that deer's actually a little better. Maybe he's even flirting, you know, 130s. Mm-hmm. Then he, we don't get any more pictures of him for a little while. And it's November 1st, and I'm hunting right off where we were getting those pictures. I mean, I used Dad's tree stand as essentially a ladder, and I hung my platform, and I hunted out the saddle there. And I had a good hunt. Saw some doe or some bucks, young bucks chasing does. Had an encounter with a, a buck that, at that point, I probably would have shot, mm-hmm. and I was disappointed that I didn't get a shot. But now, obviously, I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> but anyways, that's that same hunt. Dad texted me, and he said the kites have pictures of the ten. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I mean, I didn't know that they knew about him yet. Mm-hmm. Turns out they really knew about him. Yeah, <laughs> but uh. Yeah, Dad sent me these pictures of my buck working a scrape off of one of their food plots on their property, and that really changed the way I viewed that deer. Well, it, yeah, I mean, we said in the in the last episode, um, yeah. just based off of those two locations, because they border us, mm-hmm. but there's a, a straight line that deer like to follow from those two um, spots, you know, food plots or not, and, you know, mature bucks whenever they're there, will follow this path, like, religiously. Mm-hmm. So from that point on, once I got those pictures, and those pictures were really clear. I mean, mm-hmm. this once we got those pictures, we're like, oh, this is yeah, this went, is the buck of the decade. It, it went from me being like, you know, I'm still going to shoot that 100-inch A-point. Now it went, I'm, I'm hunting that deer. Yeah. I mean, because I do not know realistically when I will get an opportunity to hunt a deer like that on our place again, Mm -hmm. because we haven't had a picture of a buck like that for 10 years. I mean, that had that 10 point frame had everything you'd want. Yeah. It was not, it was not our typical like mountain buck. I mean, usually Um, we're hunting deer in a lot of ways because they're cool. They're different. You know, we got big fives, we got, you know, sevens, that sort of thing. We don't get, deer that are 140 inches in a perfect 10 point frame like he was yeah and when we saw those pictures he's you know has his nose up and you see his beams and you're like okay those are 20 plus inch beams those are from the side you're like okay he's probably got 10 11 inch g2s got good threes even really good fours Mm -hmm. and you're like that deer's gonna score a little bit which that's not what it's about but you better put some time into a deer like this while you have the chance. Mm-hmm. And so um, from that point, mm-hmm. we we said, you know, we figured out we were going to hunt together um, Veterans Day weekend. But the week before that, um, me and Larry had uh, training, and then you came down for the week. And I kind of – the reason why, I, I mean, I, was, I sent that some pictures to some trustworthy buddies mm-hmm. of this deer, and then I told them, you know – excited to get back after him 
He's like, what do you mean, you know, you got the weekend coming up? I'm like, well, I'm actually going to go down to Logan's. Like, what are you doing doing? You got a buck like that on camera. Why are you leaving? Well, I mean, as part for the course, the way it's been the last several years, early November, the weather was crap. Mm -hmm. I mean, hot, uh, just not ideal for what I wanted. I mean, you got to hunt when you can, but I just, a part of me just wanted to, wait and hunt him hard whenever the time was right and i just decided go down to logan take a break from hunting him because i'd probably i was probably up to four or five hunts already in november hunting that deer and the weather was going to get real bad take a little break go down to logan see some new stuff and then come back after him starting i took some time off right around veterans day and that's yeah whenever. and then uh i actually was supposed to be able to hunt in veterans day and then we had a situation to deal with and i didn't get out but mm -hmm. um it was at the tuesday right the tuesday after veterans day it was monday monday after yeah. veterans day okay and uh so well i mean before we lose you know the entire lead up so dad shot a deer on the 12th mm -hmm. around the house just you know <clears throat> You know, a little deer meat put in the freezer. Well, I couldn't hunt the 12th and 13th because I had work. We were doing hunter safety. And I'm getting ready for work. And Dad calls me. And I answer. And he said, Zach, I'm looking at the big buck right now. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, I was driving up on the mountain to get rid of this deer cart. He said, I'm looking at the buck right now. He said, he's with the doe. He's probably 30, 40 yards from me. Well, that's crazy. He's like, I'm taking video of him. Or he said, I took video of him. Turns out dad didn't actually take a video, but he got some decent pictures. But whenever he told me that bit of information and where he was, he was on our neighboring property. And the fact that he had one doe kind of changed what I initially thought he was going to be doing during the rut. We, we talked about in the last podcast that, our mature bucks tend to kind of herd up with does. You know, you'll see these mature bucks with 9 to 20 plus does. But the fact that he only had one made me think, well, maybe we should try to hunt him a little bit just like any other cruising buck. Mm -hmm. And so I was getting ready for my hunt on the 14th. I knew you weren't going to be in till the 16th. So I was kind of saving that idea of us, you know, blocking off this side of the ridge where we anticipated that he was bedding for a long time. And I decided to hunt a transition area where I've seen bucks, immature bucks chasing does and searching for does in the past. It's uh, right off our 90 plus acre clear cut transitions into more like laurel huckleberry type stuff and then you got standing timber and on the back of that you have a select cut so it's just kind of this melting pot of different uh habitat types and we have old logging roads that bucks will push these does out of the bedding area and they'll follow these uh logging roads like corridors mm -hmm. so the 14th Decided that that's what I was going to do. I was just going to go in there and kind of, I mean, a lot of this would just roll on the dice. And in that time of year, just get yourself in a proven 
uh, corridor type area and essentially hope for the best. I mean, I know that's probably not what you want to hear as far as like an informative podcast, but with the rut, a lot of times just rolling the dice, put yourself where you have faith in a spot and just, you know, whatever happens, happens. Well, dad went to another really good area that I've, I've shot a couple of deer in the past, shot one nice eight point and he had a ladder stand and he texted me at eight thirty, and he said, I just saw the big buck. I'm like, again, he said, yeah, he walked by me at 70 yards. I gave a couple calls at him and he didn't respond to me. He said, he's by himself mm-hmm. and he's working your direction. So I was sitting there and I think I said something to the camera like, you know, maybe, maybe some magic will happen. I know I said like the most cliche, cliche shit you've ever heard, but, uh, but no, I mean, I was hoping that he would work his way all the way to me because I mean, we were probably six, 700 yards away from one another. Yeah. You're a long ways apart from Yeah. So he had a long ways to go to come. But if you're working in a straight line, oh, we're or di- if you're working like the, the contours of the land, you're at the same like elevation ish line. Yeah. If he followed that same elevation, that same line of travel, it is pretty much a straight shot to where I was. Um, but you know, just the chances of him making that, making it that far and within bow range of me, I mean, the odds of that are pretty low, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, right at nine o'clock I hear, I hear something and then I hear a little grunt. Now peek around the tree and I just see white antlers shining in the sun. I mean, just like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in the deer woods. So I get the camera, got to turn around. And I'm looking, looking at him through the little viewfinder, trying my best to get something <laughs> worth looking at. And I'm trying to follow him. Then I look up and like, I need to be getting ready for a shot. So I kind of push the camera trying to get it to where it was in frame. I mean, in frame for the shot. Well, I try to go up over my bridge and shuffle on my platform. And I forget exactly what happened, but I couldn't get my bow drawn back initially. So I had to resituate, bump the camera completely out of the way at this point. (laughs) And I stop him. I think it was like right at 33 to 35 yards. And I aim for the drop. Get him stopping. It's my last shooting shooting lane. I mean, the, after he gets past that, good luck. Mm-hmm. I stop him. I settle the pin. I let it fly, and it hit. I mean, there's been very few times in my bow hunting career that everything just goes perfectly. Like, I hit the hair that I'm looking at, and just by the grace of God, essentially. I mean, I hit that thing perfect, and I see him running. And I see blood immediately pouring out of him, and it's just that moment of like it's set, setting in, like, oh my gosh, he's about to tip over, and he stops at the top of this little spine ridge, and I see him losing his legs, and then I kind of lose him for a second, but I was very confident that he had just went down right there. He didn't crash, but I knew that he was he was done. And I turn the camera around, and I'm doing the whole like, oh my gosh, I just shot a giant, and like, I mean. Everything's starting to, you know, come to me. I tried to FaceTime you, couldn't get you. Then I called Dad, and 
when I start saying, you know, I just killed him, like it really started settling in and mm-hmm. emotions pouring into me. Because, I mean, I thought about shooting a buck like that my entire life. Mm-hmm. I mean, perfect. You know, my dream buck, I love tall and tight. And that, I mean, exactly what he is is what I've always dreamed of. And to have it, you know, hit that spot, take his heart out, and he's dead within 60 yards in, in a matter of eight to ten seconds. Mm-hmm. It was just a lot going through my head at that time, and it was pretty special. Hell pretty yeah, special. dude. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, we, we kind of joked about it. Um, you know, it's, oh, it's going to be the 10-year cycle or mm-hmm. whatever, because it, it had been since 2011. Well, I guess it would be 11 years then. Mm-hmm. But uh, 2011 is whenever you killed your Big Ten. I killed my wide eight. Dad killed his, you know, really big eight. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we kind of joked about it. And then um, uh, so I was lined up to have, like, a really good um, deer season. And then, you know, we got some, you know, baby things going on. And, you know, she decided to come, like, really early. And so that kind of went away from there. And you know, things got changed around and, um, so I didn't get to hunt. I got to hunt like two bow, bow season days back in October. And then, you know, this year I'd said in the last podcast, I was going to hunt mainly off of thermals and then I was going to try to steel hunt a lot more. And, uh, so I got to go out. I didn't get to go out till Friday. No, Saturday, Saturday of the first week of rifle season. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I mean, I was just like, I don't have much time. I need to cover ground. I need to like figure out what's going on. And we had like a couple pictures of some nice bucks still. Like we have a picture of a yeah, really I mean, nice eight points. So that's what I was going after. And, um, it's playing the thermals. I actually had like the, the, one of the best days I've had on the mountain in a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was still hunting. I mean, whenever I say I'm still hunting, I'm going like painfully slow, even on like a logging road, mm-hmm. not trying to even make a sound with the leaves and ended up seeing, um, just like eight deer in three different groups, um, within a half mile. And then I had a cool encounter with, it was like the dinkiest little three and five point that you could possibly imagine, but they got within like 10 yards, no mm-hmm. clue I was even there. And then I walked up um, and did like a, a loop and ended up seeing like 13 deer that day. You saw a shooter, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. I did, I did um, pretty much like right above where you killed your big 11 mm-hmm. um this year is where i was sitting at and dad was doing a little not drive but he was doing a little walk through mm-hmm. just to like try to push deer because he knew i was on the clock and um i can't confirm it but at the top of the ridge i saw a gigantic um split mm-hmm. um it was a deer by himself i had i had binoculars on him for probably 10 to 15 minutes and I, all i could ever it was just so thick up there that I could only ever see a body, nice body. Mm-hmm. And then I just saw that giant fork and I was like, I can't prove it, but I know in my heart that that's the wide eight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so then I tried 
after me and dad, we sat together for a little bit and then we parted ways and, you know, I tried to like sneak my way up there, maybe like run onto him. And then, uh, it was around two thirty. We kind of, it was time for me to go home and, you know, take care of things. Um, and we get, we had kind of given up and, you know, we're working our way down the mountain and then by freaking, like you said, the grace of God, Mm -hmm. like I don't, I never, I never like, uh, I never think I deserve anything, but this buck was standing right there, gave me plenty of time (laughs) to, uh, figure out a shot for Mm -hmm. him and then just waited and waited and waited until I put a bullet in him and he died right then and there. Um, you know, hardly any kind of drag, not really any work. And I told dad, like, right after I shot, I was like, that felt too easy. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, any other year I try, like, so I had this, uh, uh, I romanticize how I envision killing a big buck. Right. Oh, absolutely. I think, and, uh, you know, it had been quite a few years, you know, I've, I've hunted my butt off, but like, it's been quite a few years since I've been able to harvest a mature buck. And every year I get my butt kicked, I keep wanting to like the, the dream keeps getting harder. Mm-hmm. And so like I romanticize about like, Oh, I want to be, you know, so far deep. And then I have to pack him out, you know, for miles. And I just want to like, you know, be on my absolute limit at the day and then last shooting like he pops out or whatever but you know it was it was pretty easy it felt wrong but at the end of the day like that's you know the little um you know the my confidence could finally come back like the edge Mm -hmm. or um i don't know just the drought the curse had finally been lifted and now i can actually just start focusing on killing deer Instead of, oh, well, I have, I need to kill one because it's been this long or whatever. But, yeah, so, I mean, not really, you know, a whole lot of a a buildup. It was kind of just, like, coincidence that we ran into him. But, dude, as far as, like, um, my strategy for this season, I mean, I had one heck of a year as far as, like, well, yeah, so, as far as, like, laying eyes on deer, um, I mean, dude, I've seen, I've seen more deer this year than I've ever seen. And I have hardly sat at all. Um, so like a week later I went up and saw another like 13 deer, which normally like if you see 13 deer in a week, (laughs) that's a pretty, pretty pretty good week up on the mountain. So in just like two hunts, I'm up to like 26 deer. And then, um, me and dad, we were checking cameras and we got a picture of a gigantic like the biggest bear we've ever had on the mountain um and from that point on normally like whenever we're hunting bear we're just hunting for population control because we have so many this was the first bear that you know we can actually say like this is a trophy like maybe once in a lifetime bear for up on the mountain as soon as i saw that picture i mean it's game over like I don't care about deer anymore. It's, it's okay. How do we kill this bear? And so I went on a hellacious walk trying to find this bear. Um, just trying to get like Intel 
um, figuring out like his exact home range and whatnot. But, um, you know, this walk that I did, I mean, dude, I ran into a pile of deer and actually laid eyes on, um, the wide eight. Mm-hmm. So looking forward. And you could actually confirm it. And I time. can confirm it. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. um, he was probably about 50 yards away whenever I jumped him up. Mm-hmm. I mean, beautiful spread well, well past his ears. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you know, typically if you get one opportunity at a shooter buck, um, that's a hell of a year. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's what you should expect. But like, if you blow that one opportunity, you're you going to, you're going to fight one. like hell yeah. just to get another shot opportunity. And the fact that, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to say two for sure, but, uh, potentially like if I would have just like been looking for deer would have killed him the first time the wide eight. Um, but yeah, dude, it was, it was actually like a really, really good season. Saw shooter bucks. Um, so I'm really looking forward to the future. Um, now that my confidence has been restored and, yeah. but, um, you know, I won't be able to hunt next year, but as far as like you and dad and stuff is concerned, like you're going to have some bucks to hunt. Yeah. I mean, you were talking about the 10 year cycle. I mean, me and you both shot really good deer. Dad shot his second biggest buck he's ever killed. I mean, nice, right under an 18 and a half inch spread, mm-hmm. heavy, seven point I mean didn't have very many times but just a nice mature mountain buck I mean he was he didn't get he took some decent pictures but you really have to hold that deer to appreciate what he is which uh was really happy for him you were talking about the wide a we got good pictures of him he seems to have made it all the way through the season Mm -hmm. we have what more than likely I mean whether it's my buck's son or not. They definitely come from the same gene pool. We have a two-and-a-half-year-old tight and heavy 10-point. Probably right now just a little over 100 inches, but give him another year, maybe two. I mean, he's going to be another one of those deer that you wake up on a November morning and already are a little nervous about. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're we're really excited about the years moving forward. Got some ideas of some – uh habitat work that i want to get done to improve the mountain a little bit so yeah this season has been i mean there's been a couple years that i mean they weren't hate to call them bad years but some years of not having you know really big deer then not seeing hardly any deer but this year is really you know lit a fire at least in me to try to keep this momentum going, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. I'm excited for you and Dad next year. Um, but yeah, I, I can at least like contribute to as far as tactics and stuff is concerned. But yeah. <laughs> there won't be any as far as stories and content. There, there won't be there, any stories for me. Yeah. Um, but so to wrap this thing up, and I might add, it might be. A, little bit longer than we anticipate but looking forward to the 2023 season is there anything that you learned this year that you're going to apply to next year um or anything that you learned like in the past you did apply this year that you're really excited to use in in the future or you know what have you uh i mean you touched on a little bit with thermals uh one of the reasons that i picked the spot that i did that where I ended up killing my buck, 
the wind was a little iffy, but, you know, with the morning, nice, clear, sunny day, my thermals were pulling really strong up the ridge, even though the wind was going a little bit towards where I was expecting him to come from. The thermals was taking my scent strong up the ridge, and I anticipated him to come underneath of me, and that's exactly what he did. So not really obsessing over how the wind is and paying attention to thermals, I think, really solidified where I wanted to go that morning, and it ended up being successful. Yeah, and I want to throw that out there that we've been talking a lot about thermals here lately, and it's not uh, it's not a one stop shop or a cure all. But mm-hmm. as far as like where we hunt, like just having if I would have just had that knowledge earlier and would have just like focused, because dude, you know, because we we can't hunt like the Midwestern hunters or everybody that you see on YouTube or um, the outdoor channel. And so the big thing for the longest time was always just play the wind and scent control. Like, I mean, I don't to, to the point to where you have like um, very popular West Virginia bow hunters, like um, I mean, being really religious is like even like taking pills to like control breath, you know? And it's just, you can't, I tried, I tried to be religious about my scent control. And then whenever you're just checking the wind all the time, you, you, you will get discouraged because you get to a spot, it's blowing West a couple minutes later, it's blowing East. And then you really shoot that wind checker out there and then you just see it It swirling swirling all over the place. And then it got to the point where I'm like, all right, well now I don't even want to call because if my wind is just going to swirl, my scent is everywhere, and if I'm calling, then he could be, you know, the buck of my dreams could be right over the ridge top, mm-hmm. and I don't even want him to know that I'm here. So, like, I never called for like five. I didn't even, I didn't even like carry a grunt tube or a rattle bag for five years just because I was like, well, I'm not even going to try because I don't want to spook deer before I see him. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I still don't really call that much. I think I blew on the grunt tube like twice, <laughs> but I don't just call like very often. just being able to have a little bit of reassurance that some stuff that you have learned over the years can work if you utilize a certain tactic more. Um, I mean, dude, I was really, I went through uh, two whole um, like wind checkers this year because I like you do have to like really shoot that stuff out if it's not pulling super hard to like actually catch the thermals. Get a good idea of what the thermals yeah. are doing. Yeah, you'll get the what the breeze is doing. Yeah. But as far as the way the thermals are pulling you you can't really figure it out with the wind checker. But it was just cool to like um take what I've learned and actually like really try to test it. Um so I said like if you get up high you know, first thing in the, like a still morning, mm-hmm. the sun's out, you know, the UV rays are hitting the earth hard, but the air temperature might not be warm at all. Dude, I was, I was in the spot that me and you hunted last year and I checked the thermals on it at around nine o'clock and dude, they were pulling, you know, three miles an hour straight up mm-hmm. the tree above like where any buck could possibly have uh, spooked you out. So, I mean, just saying like, you know, first thing in the morning, you don't, I mean, it's a good spot to sit. So, like, if first thing in the morning you hunt a place like that, you know, if a buck comes through, he's not going to he's not gonna get you mm-hmm. as far as scent goes um, on a still morning. And then, 
you know, we've talked about the hole a lot. Literally, as soon as the shade hits the hole, and I have a video of it, I it, the wind wasn't blowing mm-hmm. at all, and I blew my wind checker, and dude, that the the stuff shot down the mountain, like just shot straight down the mountain, like five miles an hour, and I was like, okay, there's really something to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, like on a windy day you're still screwed but at the same time like <laughs> on a windy day your wind is moving so your sense moving so fast that you know you can get away with it a lot more than on a still morning mm-hmm. um but yeah so dude i don't really know how to wrap this up but i thought um that dude i could listen to you talk about your your big <laughs> 11 like all day and um we'll eventually Hopefully by the beginning of next year we'll have that video put together as yeah, well. Yeah, I, d- I didn't get enough footage of him and of that hunt to really make it a good hunting episode. But yeah, moving forward, I want to do a a video podcast and insert clips that I did get because there's a couple uh, clips of footage that was pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, seeing him coming through that you know, Mount Laurel stuff, and I get one where he's walking by me and you see his big right side and you're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, with that footage and then the raw emotion that you got to capture. Yeah, I cried. On that. (laughs) Well, just like you called Dad and you recorded it and it was, was, uh, I don't know. I really want want to make that video um, for you guys at least before the beginning of next year. and then Larry's Western, all of Larry's Western footage is going to be super cool. But, yeah, guys, um, you know, we're almost done with the 2022 season. I really hope um, you guys were able to at least, like, lay eyes on some bucks. And, you know, moving forward, you know, we're going into winter time, And this is the time where we're going to start talking a lot more about fitness and uh, nutrition because – you know, what are you, what else are you going to do like mm-hmm. from January till April? Well, if you were like, if you're like me, after, <laughs> pretty much as December rolled around, you already started <laughs> thinking about turkeys, but yeah. a lot of people aren't like that. But yeah. Yeah. Fitness. I got some, got some goals that I want to accomplish here. Not as like a new year's resolution, but it just so happens that that's usually when I mm-hmm. get started with that kind of stuff is around <laughs> the new year. So got some things that I'm excited for you're getting ready to be gone for ever ever (laughs) (laughs) yeah but uh yeah I mean but while I'm you know gone I'm gonna have a lot of time to you know experiment with some nutritional and uh fitness stuff so that'll be cool I'll be pushing out a lot of uh probably like intense like ground zeros and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. guys I hope everyone had a good year. I'm excited for the new year, and we're going to be pushing a lot of stuff out. Um, you know, during this off season, um, especially getting into turkey season, we're going to be pushing a lot of fitness, health, and turkey hunting tactics. And gosh, I could talk about turkey hunting all year long. And now that deer season's finally over, yeah. Uh, yeah. we can finally start thinking about it. So, all right, guys, Zach, you have anything else? I think I'm good. All right, guys, later.